There's a narrative that's very popular in the Western media, and it claims that over time, the world is becoming more equal due to the free market in globalization. This was most famously expressed by the New York Times pundit Thomas Friedman in his book, The World is Flat, in which he claimed that globalization was making the world into a more equal playing field in which poor people in formerly colonized countries have basically the same opportunities as people in much richer countries that colonized them. This narrative is very popular among mainstream economists and political scientists in the West, but it is simply not true. There are mountains of evidence showing that this is false. This narrative is popular in the West, especially among wealthy people who have been the principal beneficiaries of globalization. But poor people in rich countries, and especially poor people in poor countries, have not benefited from globalization. Instead, rich people in rich countries and some rich people in poor countries have benefited. And in many ways, the world is becoming less equal. Here is just one shocking statistic that demonstrates this. Since 2020, the five richest men in the world have more than doubled their wealth, while five billion people representing over half of the world population have gotten poorer in the same time period. That is to say, five oligarchs have increased their collective wealth from 405 billion US dollars in 2020 to 869 billion dollars as of 2023. Moreover, the richest 1% of the world's population own 43% of all global financial assets. And it's not just a matter of individual inequality between billionaires and working people. It's also structural in the global system. The global north still has the vast majority of the world's wealth, despite the fact that the global north only makes up around one-fifth of the world population. 74.2% of the world's billionaire wealth is concentrated in the global north, in countries like in the United States and Canada or in Western Europe, and 65% of the world's billionaires are located in the global north. That's to say two-thirds of billionaires are in the global north, which only has 21% of the world population. Meanwhile, 69%, nearly 70% of the entire wealth in the world is concentrated in the global north, meaning that the roughly 80% of the population living in the global south, in the formerly colonized countries, altogether, their countries only have around 30% of total global wealth. This is according to the international anti-poverty organization Oxfam, and the way they put it, quote, Rich people in the global north still own the world. Now, the most common intellectual sleight of hand used by neoliberal pundits in the West is to claim that global poverty is falling due to globalization and the free market. But what they conveniently fail to mention is that according to the World Bank, 
China, which of course has a socialist system, was responsible for three quarters of global extreme poverty reduction in the past four decades. And if you look at the gap between the economies in poor countries, which are known often as emerging markets and developing economies, if you look at the gap between those countries and the wealthy formerly colonizing countries in the global north, you can see that if you remove China from the data, you can see that there has been basically no change in the past two decades. The GDP per capita, that is the size of the entire economy divided by the population of these developing economies has remained below 10% of the GDP per capita of the wealthy countries, of the, the countries that got rich through colonialism. So this claim that you hear from Western pundits like the New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, that the world is becoming more equal and, and neoliberal globalization has evened out the playing field, that is simply not true. It is pure ideology. It is not backed by evidence. In reality, the data show that neoliberal globalization has intensified a process of extreme capital accumulation and increasingly the global economy is run by a small handful of billionaire oligarch capitalists who get richer and richer in their sleep by maximizing rent extraction, not through actually producing anything tangible that helps people, and they are concentrated in the colonial nations in the global north, and they have increasing political power over government policy. There is no better example of this than the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. Billionaire oligarchs from all over the world gathered in Davos, Switzerland this January, and there they met with many top government officials from Western governments, including from the United States and from the European Union. And many of these governments use these meetings to determine what their economic policies will be, which very often benefit the wealthiest capitalists in the world at the expense of the vast majority of working people. To coincide with the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, the international humanitarian organization Oxfam always publishes a report that looks at the growing inequality and poverty in the world. And this year, the report was titled Inequality Inc. How Corporate Power Divides Our World and the Need for a New Era of Public Action. Today I'm going to go through some of the main points of this report because I think it provides a lot of very important information that is often left out of Western media reporting and it shows how this narrative that neoliberal globalization is a rising tide that lifts all boats is simply not true. To start, I just want to read a few words at the beginning of this report because it very succinctly explains many of the problems the world is facing today. Since 2020, the richest five men in the world have doubled their fortunes. At the same time, almost five billion people globally have become poorer. At the current rate, it would take 230 years to end poverty but we could have our first trillionaire within 10 years. Furthermore, this report notes that 
A huge concentration of global corporate and monopoly power is exacerbating inequality economy-wide. Through squeezing workers, dodging taxes, privatizing the state, and spurring climate breakdown, corporations are driving inequality and acting in the service of delivering ever greater wealth to their rich owners. To end extreme inequality, governments must radically redistribute the power of billionaires and corporations back to ordinary people. So this report not only details the problems that exist, but also provides many tangible solutions that could be implemented. I will discuss some of those toward the end of this analysis today. Now, one of the most striking findings in this report is that from 2020 to the end of 2023, the world's five richest men have more than doubled their wealth. How did Oxfam calculate this? Well, they provided a very useful methodology note that supplements their report, which you can find on their website, and it explains how they came to many of their findings. It discloses that Oxfam was using data from the Forbes real-time billionaires list, and the data shows that the, the five richest men in the world are Elon Musk, Bernard Arnault, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, and Warren Buffett. And by the way, I should point out for people who don't know, Elon Musk is the founder and CEO of Tesla and also SpaceX. He's gotten billions of dollars of subsidies from the U.S. government. Bernard Arnault is the French billionaire who is the CEO and founder of Louis Vuitton and is the world's leader in luxury goods. Jeff Bezos is the founder of Amazon, and he's also personally the owner of the Washington Post. And like Elon Musk, he's getting involved in the privatization of space exploration and is the founder and CEO of Blue Origin, which is another space company. Larry Ellison is a billionaire tech mogul who was the founder of Oracle, another major software company. And Warren Buffett is a well-known investor and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. And it looks at their wealth and adjusts for inflation using the U.S. Consumer Price Index, CPI, and finds that Elon Musk's wealth his real change in wealth was an increase in 737% between March 2020 and the end of November 2023. Uh, Bernard Arnault in France, his wealth increased by 111%. Jeff Bezos's wealth increased by 24%. Larry Ellison's wealth increased by 107% and Warren Buffett's wealth increased by 48%. And together, the wealth of these five oligarchs increased by $464 billion, and that is adjusted for inflation. And by the way, while we're discussing Oxfam's methodology, they also detailed how they came to the results that the wealth of the bottom 60% of humanity has been decreasing in recent years, not increasing. And this is according to data from UBS, the big Swiss bank giant, and it's from their global wealth report. And this, they also previously used data from the Credit Suisse global wealth report. But of course, Credit Suisse went bankrupt 
in 2023 and was taken over by UBS in this massive, another example of massive corporate consolidation. So Oxfam created a very useful table that shows that in 2019, the wealth of the bottom 60% of humanity, which is nearly 5 billion people, was together $10.514 trillion, whereas in 2022, it was $10.494 trillion. And they also adjust for the change in real terms, which takes into account inflation. Oxfam put the situation in the world today quite bleakly and said that we face a fundamental choice. Either we can live in a world in which we have billionaire supremacy controlled by monopolists and financiers, or we can have transformative public power that is founded upon equality and dignity. And it has several other very shocking figures in here. I've discussed a few of them. One of them is also that if each of the five wealthiest men, these five billionaire oligarchs, again, those are Elon Musk, Bernard Arnault, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, and Warren Buffett. If each of those oligarchs spent a million US dollars every single day, $1 million, they would need 476 years to exhaust their combined wealth. Furthermore, the world's richest 1% own 43% of all global financial assets. And in terms of climate change, the richest 1% globally emit as much carbon pollution as the poorest two-thirds of humanity combined. That is over 5 billion people who pollute less than the 1% wealthiest people on earth. And the report also shows, for instance, how racism plays a huge role in inequality and how in the United States, a typical black household has just 15.8% of the wealth of a typical white household. In Brazil, there are similar patterns of racism. And also women, worldwide face a lot of sexism and do not get paid equally. And furthermore, less than 1%, 0.4% of the world's largest and most influential companies have publicly committed to paying their workers a living wage and supporting payment of a living wage in their value chains. Basically none of the most powerful corporations on earth. Now, this report reveals that 4.8 billion people are poorer now than they were back in 2019. Furthermore, low and middle income countries are set to pay nearly half a billion US dollars per day in interest and debt payments between now and 2029. Meanwhile, Billionaires are $3.3 trillion richer, are 34% richer than they were at the beginning of this decade, and their wealth is growing three times as fast as the rate of inflation. And meanwhile, 
It's not a coincidence that the biggest corporations on earth saw a massive increase in profits, an 89% increase in profits in 2021 and 2022. Of course, this was a significant reason for inflation. And 82% of those profits were used to benefit shareholders, not to invest in production. Now, this point is absolutely crucial. Oxfam created a very interesting graphic that shows that for every $100 of profit generated by 96 of the most powerful companies from 2022 to 2023, of those $100, every $100 in profits, $82 were returned to shareholders in the form of stock buybacks and dividends. This is absolutely amazing because the entire narrative of capitalism is that capitalism is efficient because entrepreneurs will use the wealth generated by the exploitation of workers and the extraction of their surplus value. They will use that surplus value and reinvest it in more efficient forms of production and capital investment to increase output in new forms of technologies in innovation. That's the narrative that the profits generated through the exploitation of workers will be used to innovate. But here we can see that actually for many of the most powerful corporate monopolies in the world, these companies are not innovating. Actually, they're not even investing in more production. Instead, they're simply enriching the wealthy investors who own them. 82% of their profits are going to enriching investors through stock buybacks, buying back their own stocks or paying out dividends. So this shows that increasingly we're living in a kind of neo-feudal world in which these big corporations they're not actually interested in production. They're interested in rent seeking. This is what economist Michael Hudson has been warning about for many years, that these big corporate monopolies are simply the new rentiers, the rentier class. They're simply seeking ways to extract rent. They're like big, massive financial landlords, like the old feudal landlord classes of medieval Europe, yet now they're increasingly treating the entire world as their fiefdoms and simply trying to extract wealth from the vast majority of the population in order to enrich a small handful of billionaire oligarchs. Oxfam found that out of the 10 biggest corporations in the world, seven either have a billionaire CEO or a billionaire as the principal shareholder who can determine the future of the company and often can handpick the CEO. And together, these 10 biggest corporations in the world have a combined value of $10.2 trillion. Oxfam produced a very revealing chart that shows how in the past two decades, in this era of neoliberal globalization, multinational corporations have become extremely powerful and they now eat up more and more a greater share of the total corporate profits in the world. And of course, many of these multinational corporations are monopolies based in the United States 
Although for legal reasons, they may claim that they are based in places like Ireland in tax shelters, so they don't have to pay taxes. But it shows how powerful these corporate monopolies have become. As a clear example of this corporate concentration, 25 years ago, in 1997, 10 companies controlled 40% of the global market for seeds to grow food. Well, as of 2022, just two massive corporations controlled 40% of the entire world market for seeds, which, what is more important than food? This is one of the most important industries. We would die without food, and yet we're increasingly being held hostage by a small handful of corporate monopolies, once again, largely based in the West, and in particular, the United States. As another clear example of corporate monopolization, Oxfam looked at how, over the past two decades, 60 pharmaceutical companies merged together into just 10 giant global big pharma firms. And Oxfam described this as a, quote, neo-colonial outcome of monopoly power in which big pharma companies largely based in the U.S., but in general, the, the global north, they deprive the global south nations of life-saving vaccines that are available in rich countries but are not available to poor people and, and other drugs as well. They mentioned, for instance, a drug that was used to treat hepatitis C. This medicine was developed with significant public money from the National Institute of Health and yet it was privatized using intellectual property by a big pharma company that tripled the price to $100,000 per patient. And Oxfam pointed out that most of the most important medications that are life-saving medications needed by people were actually created through public funding, through research that received public funding, and yet intellectual property laws allow these corporations to privatize the public knowledge that was created through government-backed research. And then, of course, there is big tech corporate consolidation. Three-quarters of global online advertising spending goes to Meta, Alphabet, and Amazon. More than 90% of global online research is done via Google. And then how do rich oligarchs store that wealth? Well, they often do so through asset managers and the big three index fund managers based in the U.S., BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. Together, they manage around $20 trillion in people's assets, which is around one-fifth of all of the assets under management in the entire world. This is the wealth of the global oligarchs, the capitalist oligarchs who, who are trying to dominate the entire world. And many capitalist governments around the world, they act in the interests of these billionaire oligarchs, not in the interests of the working class majority of the world. As an example of this, we can look at the inflation that the world has seen in the past few years. Oxfam estimates that 791 million workers have seen their wages fail to keep up with inflation and therefore their real wages have decreased and they have lost 1.5 trillion US dollars just in the past two years. That's equivalent 
to workers, 791 million workers losing nearly a month of wages for every single worker. Now, a significant part of this Oxfam report looks at the decline in corporate taxation. And I'm sure it would not surprise you to learn that around the world, corporations, as they become increasingly powerful and monopolize industries, they are paying fewer and fewer taxes. Oxfam wrote that corporate taxation has in many ways collapsed despite sharply rising profits for many companies. Since 1980, the corporate income tax rate has more than halved in OECD countries. Those are largely Western wealthy countries. Starting in 1980, the average corporate income tax rate was 48%. As of 2022, it was just 23%. And Oxfam points out, this doesn't even begin to reveal the full extent of the problem because there are so many tax havens and there are also so many loopholes that actual tax rates are much lower than the statutory ones and often closer to zero. Globally, the actual global corporate tax rate dropped from 23% to 70% from 1975 to 2019 and around $1 trillion in profits, about 35% of foreign profits, shifted to tax havens in 2022. Oxfam created a very useful chart that illustrates how in pretty much every region of the world, corporate tax rates have fallen. And it shows how in 2000, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America and the Caribbean, corporate taxes were significantly higher than they are 20 years later. Meanwhile, the neo-feudal landlords, the corporate landlords in these big tech monopolies, they are looking for more and more areas, more and more industries to privatize so they can extract rent instead of actually investing in production. And one of the key examples of this are public services. And Oxfam pointed out that around the world, corporate power is relentlessly pushing into the public sector, commodifying and segregating access to vital services such as education, water, and healthcare, often while enjoying massive taxpayer-backed profits. And the privatization of these public services that used to be provided by government of things like education, water, and healthcare, this privatization has been advocated by so-called international organizations like the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, which despite being supposedly referred to as international financial institutions, in reality, they're controlled by the United States, which is the only country that has veto power over these organizations. And Oxfam points out that private equity firms, which once again are enriching billionaire oligarchs, they are snapping up everything from water systems to healthcare providers and nursing homes. And then what they do is they just destroy all of these institutions by cutting workers' wages, cutting benefits. They just massively pile on debt and on the scam of private equity firms, by the way, I was recently reading a new book by the Nobel Prize winning economist Angus Deaton, 
who is a very mainstream economist. I mean, that's why he won the so-called Nobel Prize for Economics, which is not real. But anyway, he won it. And he, in his book, he's he expressed concern about the extreme inequality growing in the United States and around the world. And he pointed out that what private equity firms do is they often buy up companies, they strip out the contractual health benefits and pensions of workers, and then they sell the remnant. And Angus Deaton, this very mainstream neoclassical economist, he said, quote, workers' losses are sacrificed to the greater justice of the efficient market. And he described how basically what we're seeing is in countries like the United States and other countries, what we're seeing is an unjust social dystopia where so-called free markets are allowing a an extractive elite to predate on the population at large. I mean, this is a very revealing moment in this book by, again, a very mainstream economist who's acknowledging exactly what Oxfam is detailing in its report. Now, one of the most important points in this report that I really need to emphasize is that Oxfam acknowledges how the global economic system is essentially neo-colonial. And it writes that, quote, economies across the global south are locked into exporting primary commodities from copper to coffee for use by monopolistic industries in the global north, perpetuating a colonial style extractivist model. This is, of course, something that I talk about here regularly at Geopolitical Economy Report. And for people who want to get more information about this, I did another video looking at the neo-colonial financial system, which I will link to in the description below. Now, to conclude here, I did mention earlier that Oxfam provided some tangible policies that can be implemented in order to try to fight back against this growing inequality and this kind of neo-feudal system the world is moving toward in which a bunch of billionaire capitalist oligarchs control everything. And here are a few examples which are all very reasonable and very possible. They're not even radical. They're very easy to implement. First of all, the, the governments around the world should revitalize the state. They should reverse these neoliberal economic policies that have been imposed since the late 1970s on the entire world. And governments should guarantee public services like healthcare and education, along with care services for elderly people and food security. Furthermore, governments should invest in public transportation, energy, housing, and other public infrastructure. Governments should exercise control over natural monopolies in sectors like, for instance, energy and public transportation. These are natural monopolies, so they should not allow corporations to monopolize them. Instead, they should be public. Furthermore, the gover governments around the world should massively increase regulations and break up private monopolies and curb corporate power. They should end the abuse of patent rules and intellectual property abuse by big corporations. Corporations must be forced to pay living wages. Dividend payments and, and stock buybacks should be banned until corporations guarantee that they will pay livable wages, that they will commit to ensuring climate and gender justice. CEO pay should be capped. It's absolutely ridiculous that CEOs can get paid 
tens of millions or in some cases hundreds of millions of, of dollars as if they're thousands and thousands of times more efficient than their employees. Furthermore, there should be a radical increase on taxes on corporations and rich individuals. There should be a permanent wealth tax and a permanent excess profit tax. There should also be more and more worker and local cooperatives, social enterprises, and fair trade businesses that are owned and governed in the interest of workers, local communities, and the environment. And there should be subsidies and financial support provided to equitable equitable businesses, small businesses, not, not these big, massive corporations, which get the vast majority of subsidies, and they're supported by these capitalist governments that carry out policies that continue to enrich the, the wealthy at the expense of the working class majority. Those are some of the most important points that you should take away from this report published by Oxfam. If you're interested, you should check it out yourself. There's a lot of very important information in there. On that note, I'm going to end here. I'm Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. Please like and subscribe if you're watching this video on YouTube. And if you prefer listening to all of our videos, you can check out the Geopolitical Economy Report podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I will see you next time.